welcome to the Bizarre and Fascinating Details podcast. I am Sarah, and this is my co-host, Katrina. Say hi, Katrina. Hi. We are a strange and slightly funny sister duo who enjoy talking about strange stuff, crazy cases, and things that make you say, hmm, that was so fascinating. In other words, if it's weird, wild, bizarre, and provocative, we're going to talk about it on this podcast. Today's topic is especially fun, guys. We're going to talk about beer. Beer! Beer! Okay, so for me, beer is a relatively new phenomenon, a really relatively new participant in my particular life because I always hated beer. Did you like beer? I thought beer was kind of an acquired taste. I don't really like beer, but if I get like a really good expensive beer that's really well made, then that's far more enjoyable. Like It's the cheap stuff that I'm like, that's piss water. Beer was pretty much one of the first alcoholic beverages that I learned to consume because that's like frat parties, college. That's like beer is what you do because it's cheap and it's like you can get the ice house beer that's a little bit stronger and a little bit more palatable and less expensive than getting a bottle of rum or vodka or whatever. But beer is one of the first things we learned to consume. And our dad was like a huge beer aficionado. He used to like fucking get up and have... Old English beer mixed with orange juice or grape juice or whatever. And we're going to the fridge and trying to get some juice and then it tastes like beer. Yeah, gross. So I never enjoyed beer. And then I started dating a guy probably about four years ago who was into craft beers and breweries and all kinds of fun stuff. So we would go to these breweries where they had sort of unique types of beer that were kind of handcrafted and and had some very unique and delicious flavors. So I really started to appreciate beer and all of its variations that are very, very unlike and very, very far removed from like Budweiser and Miller, which are like the, the, the total generic beers that everybody sees in the supermarket. See, I can get on board with that because like I said, like the, the, the other stuff is just piss water, but if you get like a really expensive, well-made beer, that's not bad. I can handle that. Yeah. So beer has become a recent addition to my life, and I enjoy it. Um, it really has a high caloric content as opposed to some other things that you could potentially choose as an alcoholic option. But in moderation, I think beer is actually not too bad. Um, there's actually some benefits of drinking beer. Want to hear about it? Mm-hmm. Uh, hell yeah. So there are 10 reasons that you should go have a beer right now. They're named in menshealth.com. This is an article that came out in 2015, although I have seen articles about similar stuff for the last couple of years as it's become a hot topic with so many craft breweries popping up all over the place. This is an article by Kristen Dominell. It says, sure, you probably have beer to thank for helping you meet your girlfriend, spurring some of your greatest stories, and bringing out your worst dance moves. This is an article for Men's Health, so act accordingly. But it turns out there are tons of other awesome, scientifically proven reasons that you should love a good brew. Beer could safeguard your heart, boost your immunity, protect your bones, and more. Ready, set, drink up. Let's learn all about what beer could do. Beer benefit number one, it can protect your heart. Wine usually gets all the credit as the booze that helps cut back your cardiovascular disease risk, but beer could be just as healthy. How? I want to know how. 
Italian researchers found that moderate beer drinkers had a 42% lower risk of heart disease compared to non-drinkers. For maximum protection, keep your consumption to one pint, at least 5% alcohol by volume a day, the researchers say. Toast your health with one of 5% alcohol by volume a day, the researchers say. So just one pint. So if you're going to go out and like kill the brewskis, it's not going to benefit your heart. Just one pint a day. Beer benefit number two. It helps you think like a genius. Knocking back a beer or two won't make you smarter, but it could boost your creativity, according to a study in the Journal of Consciousness and Cognition. When 40 men watched a movie while completing verbal puzzles, the beer buzz guys with a blood alcohol content of .075 solved the problems a few seconds faster than their sober counterparts. What? Right? That's insane. And it goes against everything we've ever been taught about alcohol consumption, right? Well, no, because I learned in psychology about how um, when you're taking a test, like normally without alcohol, you're, uh, and especially if somebody's watching you, you're less likely to do as well. Wow. Who would have thought? Yeah. Yeah. Beer benefit number three. It can prevent type two diabetes. You know that. What? Dutch researchers analyzed 38,000 male health professionals and found that when men who weren't big boozers began drinking moderately over four years, they were significantly less likely to be diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Increased alcohol consumption over time didn't lower the risk in men who already had a couple drinks a day, so moderation is the key word here. Stick to a beer or two at happy hour tonight. So don't go crazy with it, guys. It's not going to help you as a diabetes risk preventer, but... It can be beneficial in moderation. Number four, be kind to your kidneys. Cheers to never having to pass a kidney stone again, or if you're lucky, ever. Researchers in Finland found that each bottle of beer a man drinks daily lowers his risk of developing kidney stones by 40%. I think it's probably something to do with the liquid flushing out your kidneys. Yeah. Yeah. The researchers can't, because it's got a lot of water content in it, but the researchers can't exactly explain the link, but speculate that a high fluid intake not only makes for an excessive number of trips to the bathroom, but could also keep kidneys functioning properly. Additionally, the researchers say the hops and beer could be responsible for the correlation between helping to slow the release of calcium from bone, which can get reabsorbed by the kidneys as painful stones. So yeah, there's a couple of different correlated benefits there. Beer benefit number five, recover faster. Move over Gatorade. A heady brew could also aid in workout recovery, according to a Spanish study. Researchers asked students to exercise until their body temperature reached 104 degrees and then had them rehydrate with beer or water. As it turns out, the people who had the post-workout pint were slightly more hydrated than those who had had only water. Is that not crazy? Um, You know, they do have... um... Uh, at the Tough Mudder, they serve uh, shock top beers after you get like one free shock top beer. So, and I did feel pretty good afterwards. <laughs> are you going to go fill your water bottle after the gym with beer? Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to do. Let's, but not, that's let's not get crazy. Let's not get crazy with it. Um, <laughs> beer benefit number five, get an instant confidence boost. Yeah, duh on that one. That seems a little bit obvious. Beer goggles, absolutely try beer mirror. British researchers found that more drinks, the more drinks people consume, the more attractive they found themselves. In a second study, the researchers asked participants who had consumed either a real or fake alcoholic drink to give a speech. When asked to evaluate 
When asked to evaluate how good-looking, smart, and funny they felt they were during their talk, people who thought they were imbibed gave themselves more positive self-evaluations regardless of whether or not they were actually buzzed. So that beer can make you think more highly of yourself. Beer benefit number seven, see clearer. A Guinness a day could keep the eye doctor away. Canadian researchers found that one beer a day, especially a lager or a stout, so those deeper, richer, darker beers, increase the antioxidant activity that can stop cataracts from forming in your eyes. Interesting, huh? Weird. The kicker is the scientists found an opposite effect in participants that had three or more drinks a day. So don't go crazy with it. If you have more than three, then you could actually give yourself the opposite and make your vision worse. Beer, yeah, don't do that. Beer benefit number eight, lower your blood pressure. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. High blood pressure can be responsible for a range of health problems, but beer can lower your risk of hypertension, research suggests. In one study, Harvard researchers found that moderate beer drinkers are less likely to develop high blood pressure than those who sip on wine or cocktails. Again, use that in moderation, folks. Don't go out there and consume a whole half a keg of beer thinking you're going to lower your blood pressure because that shit's not going to happen. Beer <laughs> benefit number nine, fight off infection. This kind of goes against what I've ever thought about alcohol because it was my understanding that alcohol lowers your immune system, but... Let's read on, folks. Having one or two drinks a day might boost your immune system and fight infections, according to an Oregon Health and Science University study. Scientists I have, I have heard that. Scientists vaccinated monkeys against smallpox, then gave some of the primates access to alcohol while others drank sugar water. The monkeys who drank moderately had better vaccine responses than those who consumed the sweet stuff. But the animals that drank heavily, and you may... Imagine how a <laughs> chimp looks had less of a response to the vaccine than those who kept their habit under control. So don't go crazy with it, folks. It's not going to boost your immune system with more. Moderate is the key. And number 10 beer benefit is prevent a fracture. Nasty breaks from drunken debauchery aside, a couple beers a day could actually strengthen your bones, according to a Tufts University study. Guys who drank one or two beers had up to 4.5% greater bone density than non-drinkers. But more than two beers was associated with up to 5.2% lower density. So the reverse is true if you go crazy with those beers. So again, folks, moderation, moderation, moderation when it comes to those beers. It's okay if you want to go have fun and get crazy with it every once in a while, but you should keep that shit in check if you want to reap the most health benefits from your beer. Katrina, why don't you give us a little background on where beer comes from? Oh, haha. Beer comes from the oldest drinks humans have produced, dating back to at least the 5th millennium BC in Iran, and was recorded in the written history of ancient Egypt and Mesopotamia and spread throughout the world. As almost any cereal containing certain sugars can undergo spontaneous fermentation due to wild yeast in the air, it is possible that beer-like drinks were independently developed throughout the world soon after a tribe or culture had domesticated cereal. Chemical tests of ancient pottery jars reveal that beer was produced as far back as 7,000 years ago in what is today Iran. Okay, so this stop is- for a second. Sure. Legitimately, 
would you want to taste that beer from back then? Would I? Would you, would you want to taste it? And do you think it would be super strong? Well, um, from all the articles that I read, that it was, it would taste very different from what we experience now because the process was still new. I think our shit would be seriously watered down now. From every indication I have gotten is back in the day, that beer was seriously strong. But they also used to drink beer in lieu of water because the water supply back then was not good. So, like, essentially people back in the day, even, like, medieval times or whatever, would drink beer throughout the day as their source of liquid and nutrition as well. So they would essentially be buzzed all day long every day. That must have been pretty fucking amazing. Have you ever watched that show, The Supersizers Go? No. Oh, my God. You've got to look it up on YouTube. It is amazeballs. It is this couple. They're not really a couple. They're a guy and a girl. I think she's a lesbian and he's just some actor guy. And they basically take all these periods in history and go back and eat and drink and live in the same way they did during that time period. So they go back to Roman times. They go to the 20s. They go to the 80s. And they eat and drink and dress like and do their hair like everybody did in that time period. It is fucking amazing. That would be cool. And they talk about, you know, what the alcoholic beverages were, what the health symptoms were, what the age, what the typical age that people died was back then, like what the health was like, what the cholesterol was like. And they measure their health sort of before and after like six weeks during whatever time period they're in and see what their cholesterol levels are, what their blood pressure is and everything before and after they eat and drink like they did during that time period. Go check it out. It's on YouTube. I mean, I think it went for quite a few seasons, but it's very, very interesting because it talks about the popular foods and what people, it's very, very interesting. But anyway, we did, we digress. Continue, please. This discovery reveals one of the earliest known uses of fermentation and is the earliest evidence of brewing to date. In Mesopotamia, the oldest evidence of beer is believed to be a 6,000-year-old Sumerian tablet depicting people consuming a drink through Read straws from a communal bowl. So they so would fucking drink I that also, beer through straws. Yes, I read about why they use the straws though, and it has to do with the um, the sediment being really gross. So it was to kind of be like a filter. Ah, very interesting. Yeah. So they're drinking with these straws. Was that the first use of the straws? I mean, that's super interesting. Can you imagine? No, I mean, I'm still trying to. Those are like this in reed my head. straws. So like they went and just cut a fucking reed out of the water and just slurped it up. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. Keep going. A uh, three thousand nine hundred year old Sumerian poem honoring Ninkasi, the patron goddess of brewing, contains. There's a there's a goddess of brewing. That's awesome. If I were if I were gonna be a goddess, I'd be I'd want to be a brewing goddess. I want to see what she looked like. I want to study it. <laughs> I want to know all about the goddess of brewing. I bet you she was amazing. Um, she probably had big boobs too, because you know. <laughs> <laughs> because she was drunk and everybody was drunk that they worshipped her. But anyway, go ahead. Right. <laughs> she can uh, that contains the oldest surviving beer recipe, describing the production of beer from barley via bread. I did read also in a lot of the articles that I was reading about that um, the pot that 
uh, the process of making bread was how they came about, kind of like accidentally came into that fermentation process. It's fucking rad. Right. I love that. So (laughs) they're like, let's drink this liquid that comes off the bread and see how we feel. Oh, shit. Well, they said that, like, (laughs) what happened was they were making the, in the process of making bread and then it started to rain. And so then they left the bread and went inside and forgot about it. And then came back to it a couple of days later, realized, and then saw this liquid, this fermented liquid. And tried <laughs> they were like, let's drink it. it. <laughs> Sweet. Makes me funny. <laughs> so. That's awesome. Right. Well, and I read a lot of articles and, and it was, it's kind of unclear. They say all of them pretty much said it's unclear how it exactly started, but that's what they theorized. Well, and everybody claims they created it. So there's like five or six different origins of this supposed beginning a beer, but evidently right. it, it rose independently by people who discovered this was some good shit. Well, so out of all the articles I read, it was mostly Sumerian, Egyptian, and um, another one. I can't remember what it was now, but um, but it was all kind of similar. They all kind of kind of coincided. Sweet. Um. So. The invention of bread and beer has been argued to be responsible for for a lot of drunken sex and a lot of pregnancies. Wait, wait, what? Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) For a lot of (laughs) unnecessary groping. Right. Um, (laughs) Beers. Okay, so the invention of bread and beer has been argued to be responsible for humanity's ability to develop technology and build civilization. I think that coincides with what you were saying about uh the different uh intelligence like it makes you smarter and it makes you quicker and more creative the earliest chemically confirmed barley beer to date was discovered at godin teep in the central zagros mountains of iran where fragments of a jug from between 5,400 and 5,000 years ago was found to be coated with beer stone a byproduct of brewing process give me that beer stone i want it asap I know. I'm curious what that that That's those awesome. first beers tasted like. It was probably amazing. That's, it was probably hella strong and like super amazing. And people were probably blown away by like the deliciousness of it. They're like, "What is this? This is fun." <laughs> no, um, all of a sudden we feel invincible <laughs> and amazing and super sexy. Oh my gosh! I want to take my clothes off. Right. That's what beer is all about. <laughs> Beer may have been known in neolithic europe as far back as five thousand years ago and was mainly brewed on a domestic scale beer produced before the industrial revolution continued to be made and sold on a domestic scale although by the 7th century a.d beer was also being produced and sold by european monasteries sweet so the monks got in on that action the the monks, monks and the nuns. I heard monks really do like that beer. I, I've seen, you know, you see a lot of those documentaries about monks and beer, don't you? Hey, they can't have sex. They should at least be able to have beer, right? I mean, that yeah, that kind of makes sense. I mean, if you're going to, yeah, if you're going to be celibate, you got to have something. Okay, let me interject a fact and a factoid up in this bitch. Okay. Okay? Bring it. At any given time, 0.7% of the world is drunk. So right now, 50 million people are drunk. So are you, are you part of that 50 million? <laughs> are you part of that 
No, I'm out of rum. Damn it, Katrina. We're talking I about know. beer right now. Get it together. I know. I know. So get this. Sinocilla cappophobia is the fear of an empty beer glass. <laughs> That's a legit There's a thing. thing. Is that, that happen? That's a thing. Does that happen more in men than women? I don't know. No clue. But anyway, continue uh, with what you were saying. During the Industrial Revolution, the production of beer moved from artisanal manufacturer to industrial manufacturer, and domestic manufacturer ceased to be significant by the end of the 19th century. The development of hydrometers and thermometers changed brewing by allowing the brewer more control of the process and greater knowledge of the results. So that's, you know, how we were talking about what we wondered what it would taste like. Yeah. Um, through processes they have like been able to um make the taste better so like that's why i'm saying yeah but like if it would have been better that's totally like subjective because certain beers taste good to certain people and certain others don't taste like some people don't like sour beers some people like rich dark beers some people like lighter lager type beers so that's all a matter of taste for like individuals i don't think that's like a thing to have like good tasting beer you're right it is probably subjective but like i, I kind of wonder you know like perfecting the process does it make it better or not um i think it probably makes it stronger <laughs> i don't know <laughs> But, like, I think the proliferation of these, like, breweries today is fucking amazing. And it reminds me, I think, in a way of how it must have been back in the day. Because before industrial the, before the Industrial Revolution, people were making this shit, like, in their homes. And there were small batch beers and their inns and the breweries and the hotels and the little, you know, small guys. And the restaurants were making their own beers. There was no major one source of these that they were tapping into the beers on. People were making it on a smaller scale, and I think it's much the same way that we're doing it now. So I think we're kind of tapping into that creative spirit and creating these amazing beers. I don't, that- know, about, I, I don't know about you, but I've heard, and I feel like this is something that's becoming more and more popular now, is people making their own beers. Yeah, I, I have a beer-making kit, and people, I haven't yeah. tried it yet. But or like beer-making parties. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Have I would love to do that. I would love it. Yeah. So we have been to, there are a lot of breweries in San Diego and we have been, we, it's kind of our mission to check out breweries wherever we go. And there really are some amazing places. I mean, besides Ballast Point, which is one of our big breweries here that has the most options as far as beer is concerned, but the smaller breweries are fun too. You can go in there and get unique beers that are a limited time. Um, and a lot of award-winning stuff as well. So beer making and the whole concept is just, it's amazing where we've come today from where we were 10, 15, 20 years ago when the only options were like Budweiser and Coors. Or Bud Light. <laughs> yeah. Gross. Piss water, basically. <laughs> yeah, um, like So factoid. The world's longest hangover lasted four weeks after a Scotsman consumed 60 pints of beer. Oh, damn. He didn't die? 60. He had to have had alcohol damn. poisoning. And the strongest beer in the world has 67.5% alcohol content. 
what? Why? What kind of beer is that? What is that? What kind of beer is that? Well, there's a little picture here that says Brewmaster Snake Venom is the strongest beer, but I don't know if that's just an image that they use to create this or if that's an actual beer, but I mean, look it up. I'm sure you could find it. It's probably hella expensive. You like the $12,000 pizza? Pretty much. <laughs> um, what, is that it or do you have more for us? Oh, it says today the brewing industry is a global business consisting of several dominant multinational companies and many thousands of smaller producers ranging from brew pubs to regional breweries. More than 133 billion liters, 35 billion gallons are sold per year, producing total global revenues of 294.5 billion in 2006. So this is a popular venture. I mean, it's an astounding um, ways that we've come from back in the day. Uh, these breweries, and it's a big business. And there are whole, you know, courses that you can take at college that talk about breweries and how it is a different sort of clientele that come into those places as opposed to a neighborhood bar. So having a brewery in a neighborhood as opposed to a bar can create a whole different crowd of people coming in because when you have a bar coming into a neighborhood, it typically increases the crime rates um, and a bunch of other different factors. But when you have a brewery coming in, it's a different sort of a story. In fact, breweries in San Diego, and I don't know if it's the same way um, in the North Pacific Northwest, but breweries in San Diego allow dogs, they allow kids, babies, whatever. So a lot of families come out and enjoy their time in the breweries here. And it really is a different sort of a crowd than would typically go into a bar. Well, in Seattle, they allow dogs into the bars. It, it depends on the bar, but yeah, they allow them into some of the breweries. So it's a different sort of crowd. You're not going to get that that criminal sort of element that you would get in a bar where they go and drunk drive and break into homes or do whatever if you're, you know, clientele from a bar versus... Well, yeah, because they're there. They're not there to get, like, the cheapy beer. Right. They're not there to get hammered. They're there to have fun and enjoy a good-tasting beer. Yeah, the quality of beer, because there's a lot of really interesting-tasting beers out there. Oh, yeah. So, you know, slugs slugs like beer, too. So, like, you're going to get that whole criminal element. You're going to get the slugs. You're going to get everyone (laughs) that you don't want to get when you have, like, a bar. But no, just kidding. So like if you want to kill the slugs in your yard, you just put out some beer and that will get rid of them. Interestingly enough, they'll, they'll get they'll drink to death. Pretty much. They're there for the beer and the snacks. So another interesting beer fact, Amsterdam pays alcoholics and beer to clean streets. Five what? cans of beer for a day's work plus you know what? That's a good money use and tobacco. Of <laughs> you believe that shit? So you can lay homeless people here, have some beer and some alcohol, some tobacco, a couple dollars, and you're good. Heck, you know, put them to good use. For reals. That's a that's that's actually kind of smart, I think. So like they're out there begging for the alcohol and the change anyway, so like put them to work, right? Yeah, make them useless. I mean useful. Um, do you have any more on your article or is that it? No, that was it. So yeah, Amsterdam is like leading the way as far as prostitution, as far as alcoholics, as far as drugs. <laughs> That's insane. Um, beer was not considered an alcoholic beverage in Russia until 2013. What? So basically it's like anybody can go into a fucking bar and have a beer and it's all good. 
It's oh, not a beer. It's not alcoholic. Which, it, it just because the 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 alcohol content is lower, and so that it didn't qualify. It doesn't say, but like that's legit. <laughs> Until the seventies in Belgium, table beer was served in school cafeterias. Well, kombucha has a small amount of alcohol in it. It does. Like, I've gotten buzzed off kombucha. Have you? That's, that's legit. Um, that's no joke. Yeah, it yeah, it, it could happen for and, sure. You know, I'm not sure if it was all in my head, but, like, I've gotten a little buzz off that. Especially if I had worked out hard, if I was dieting or I hadn't had alcohol in a while, and then I had a kombucha, it was like, I feel buzzed. Yeah, and anybody can buy kombucha. Yeah, for reals. At the Wife Carrying World Championships in Finland, first prize is the wife's weight in beer. Okay, so there's a Wife Carrying World Championship in Finland. That's the first delightful little nugget here. And the second part of this is if you win by carrying your wife the quickest and the longest, you get your wife's weight in beer as the first prize. They're probably hoping that they're they're like, girl, you need to get fat. They're like, get it. (laughs) Get it done. Get the weight. Damn. There's a beer brewed from bananas in Africa. I'm down. I love the taste of bananas. Give me that shit. I'd like to try that. I'm curious for sure. Make it happen because I would love me some banana beer. Right. Let's do it. The Wat Pa Maha Chidi Kue Temple in Thailand has constructed, was constructed with one million bottles of Heineken and a local beer. Okay, so if you check this temple out, this is the Wat Pa Maha Chidi Kua Temple in Thailand. It's all made out of beer bottles. Can you say that 20 times fast? No. I really can't, especially <laughs> not since I've had about a half a bottle of champagne at this point. I can't say it fast. But if you go online, folks, and Google it, you can see this temple, Thailand temple made out of beer bottles. It's fucking amazing. You can see the green. You can see the distinct colors of those bottles of beer, and it's it's pretty amazing. Um, more Guinness beer is drunk in Nigeria than in Ireland. So those fucking Nigerians love them some beer. In the land of the pharaohs of Egypt, beer was the national currency. Fuck. No money back then, just beer. <laughs> Pay it up with beer. Just like, just like the homeless. Beer, build those fucking pyramids and get paid in beer. <laughs> in Argentina, political parties have had their own beer brands. Okay, go Argentina. Norway's first aircraft hijacking was resolved after the hijacker surrendered his weapon in exchange for more beer. (laughs) Okay, got it. Understand completely. (laughs) He's got his shit in order. He wants that beer. I get it. I totally get it. Especially after a hard day's work, you just want an alcoholic beverage. Um, when scientist Niels Bohr won the Nobel Prize in 1922, the Carlsberg Brewery gave him a perpetual supply of beer piped into his house. Fuck yeah. I think if people knew <laughs> this, more people would be striving for that Nobel Prize. Right? Right. Then when you have smarter people all around. Oh yeah. More creative people on the whole as well. Right. 
1963, Albert Heineken created a beer bottle that could also be used as a brick to build sustainable housing in impoverished countries. There you go. A multi-purpose beer bottle. Right? Yes. This is why they use those Heineken bottles to build that temple in Thailand. But if you look at these images of these beer bottles, it is legit interesting because the bottles all sort of interconnect in the same way that a brick would. They're a little bit square with a sort of hole in the bottom where the top of the next bottle goes into to build a brick-like structure. It's really interesting. Google it, folks. Heineken (laughs) beer bottles, 1963. That's cool. Super interesting. As a rule of thumb, darker and bitter beers have higher alcohol content. That does not surprise me. It's obviously a richer, darker, more like dense type of a beer. It's not always the case 100% of the time, but most of the time, darker and bitter beers have higher alcohol content. So those dark, rich, like porters um, and like coffee lagers, coffee porters, those sorts of drinks. Do you, co- like, do you like those darker beers? I typically do not enjoy the darker beers, although lately I have sort of acquired a bit of a taste for them, um, particularly the coconut coffee ones. There's just something about a, I can't drink an entire one yet, but I do like a couple sips. I'll take a couple sips off my boyfriend's drink, and it, it's actually kind of tasty now. I'm, I've sort of developed, acquired a taste for it. What about you? Uh, I like a light. I like a lighter beer. You like a lager or like a, a Hefeweizen type of a thing. I'm sure a fruitier, lighter yeah. beer. But yeah, those exactly. darker beers they have some really rich ones with a chocolatey flavor. Like they have Mexican chocolate beers. Like if you came here, I think you'd kind of be in heaven because some of the darker beers here, not just coffee type beers, but they have vanilla, chocolate, all kinds of delicious, yummy, sweet notes to them to make them more like a wine or a porter or a coffee drink. Interestingly enough, um, in well, the, I'll have to come there. I, I'll have to just come there and just have some drinks. Yeah. When Jara came, we took her to some good breweries down here. Of course, she's not really a beer type of a person, so she didn't enjoy it as much, but there's some pretty amazing breweries down here that have stuff like red velvet cake on nitro beer. What? That sounds amazing. So it's like a dessert beer and it's on nitro, which means they pump this like specific type of air into it that makes it really rich and creamy. So it's like a dessert. Ooh, that sounds amazing. In the 13th century, some people in Norway would baptize their children with beer. What? (laughs) That's fun, right? (laughs) And you can actually (laughs) swim in pools of beer in Austria. What? Bring it. Just pump pump the beer right in there. But that kind of seems wasteful. That seems wasteful. Well, some people like that. You would want it to be warm, and why would you want to drink something that you swam in? (laughs) Get this. 162,719 pints of Guinness beer are wasted each year due to mustaches. So people are wasting (laughs) that shit by getting a beer mustache. Oh, man. Have you ever had Guinness? Uh, Yeah, I have. I don't really care for it, but yeah, I've had it. It's not your fave? No. I mean, it's better than Bud Light. It's interesting. It's got a unique flavor. Would I choose it over something else? Probably not, but there are thousands and thousands, including Nigerian folks around the world that enjoy that Guinness beer, 
So more power to them. Um, yeah. Pr- President Jimmy Carter signed a bill that created an exemption from taxation of beer brewed at home for personal or family use, opening the door for today's craft beer breweries. Interesting. Jimmy Carter was like on board with the beer. Who would have thought? But is he Norwegian? No. Jimmy Carter, the president? Hello. I know, I'm just saying. Carol. I was joking. Um, in Follow France, me. In France, Germany, Austria, and Spain, and the Netherlands, they serve beer in McDonald's. Fuck yeah. Why do we not do this? Yeah, I heard that. No, I knew that. That's the fucking bomb. We need beer at McDonald's. We need to make this happen. We need to start a petition. Now, let's make a petition. <laughs> because you're not getting anything else good at McDonald's. You might as well get some beer. Okay, get this. And this is some obscenity here, folks, but fucking hell beer is a beer named after the village of fucking in Austria. Okay. Honestly, I think the fucking probably doesn't mean the same thing in Austria as it does here, but there's a village of fucking in Austria. Okay. Speaking of obscene um, alcohol, there is a rum called Big Black Dick. What? I'm not kidding. The actual yes. fuck. <laughs> no, I'm I don't even like just, what. What is that? Is it a dark rum? Is it a light rum? Like I'm, I'm confused it's dark, here. It's a dark rum. You have to see that. Look it up and look at the bottle. It's hilarious. I don't, wow, that's that's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we digress. <laughs> There is a brewery in Germany that is almost 1,000 years old. It has been in continuous operation since the year 1040. Can you believe that shit? I would love to go there. Would that not be an amazing experience? Yeah, that would be, that would be, that would be mind blowing. Super fun. Um, and probably they have some amazing beer in there. Although it's probably like Bud Light. Oh, better not be. <laughs> okay, here's a good one. Beer and vaginas have almost the same acidity levels with an average pH of 4.5. So a beer and a vagina have the same pH. Yes. So basically, if you're having some problems with like a yeast infection or bacteria or whatever, douche with some beer. You're good to go. No, that's not what that's saying. Yes, that's precisely what that's Beer saying. Beer is full of yeast. Beer has got a bunch of yeast in it. And you throw that on your vagina, you're going to cause a yeast infection. No way, dude. pH balanced with the beer right there. Good to go. No, that's not how that works. So beer was illegal in Iceland until March 1st, 1989. Now the date is celebrated every year. As beer day. Bjordegar. Bjordegur. Or beer day. <laughs> they love that beer day, huh? Yeah, because it was illegal until 1989. What the actual fuck? So what did they drink until what? then? Was it like a dry country? Was there like, it was like the prohibition? I'm confused. I need more details on this ASAP. Did they drink wine? Did they drink wine and Clearly they drank wine and Everclear. You know the Everclear, right? Yeah, damn. Good fucking stuff right there. Okay, beer cans in Japan have Braille on them so blind people don't confuse alcoholic drinks with soft drinks. Makes sense. Uh, We should do that here. 
Because <laughs> God forbid you should open up a fucking soft drink and have a beer and get drunk. <laughs> I wouldn't want that. So Joan Evans is the only person on earth capable of balancing 237 pints of beer atop his head. Okay, first of all, his head and his name is Joan. I'm confused about that whole thing. Super confused. Okay. In 1956, the U.S. exploded atomic bombs near a few beers to see if they are safe to drink. That shit was safe. Crazy, huh? So they, they exploded the bombs, put some beers near there. Let's make sure the beers are safe after the atomic bomb. Maybe because they're in kind of aluminum can. I'm not sure. But it's good to know that if the, if the bomb drops, that we can still have beer. That beer is a safe beverage to consume. Um, Carlsberg Special Brew Beer was created for Winston Churchill in 1950 on the behest of the Danish government. So we all know who Winston Churchill is, right? Of course. British Prime Minister. And they created this special beer for him. Fascinating. Table beer... 1.5% alcohol was served in Belgian schools until the 80s. In school? Yes. Belgian schools served that shit until the 1980s. What the actual fuck? We need to go to Belgium immediately. I mean, I wish that would have been, you know, us when we were kids, right? I would have loved that. It's only 1.5% alcohol, so it's not like it's super strong. Like, cough medicine has the same amount as that, right? Well, it would be like kombucha, huh? Yeah. Basically the same thing. So, a traditional beer tap will not work on an airplane as it will only dispense a huge amount of foam. Duh. Yeah. That seems like an obvious one. Beer happens to be one of the oldest alcoholic beverages and is said to have been invented in the Neolithic era around 9,500 BC. So I think you kind of covered off on that on yours. So obviously it's one of the oldest beverages. There's some serious records on history about that legit beer shit in like barrels or what is that? Bottles and clay pottery, whatnot. Yes. There's um, small traces. I wish we would have had some like serious recipes from back then so we could really replicate that and taste the sort of quality, the alcohol content, and the flavor of those because I'm sure it was a very interesting experience. In 1814, the streets of London were flushed with 400,000 gallons of beer after a huge vat ruptured at the parish of St. Giles. Can you imagine? Oh my gosh, those people must have been so happy. All the drunks were probably like, we live in the best place ever. (laughs) Can you imagine though, trying to drink beer off the street though? So I know that we asked the questions about the banana beer, but banana beer is an alcoholic beverage which is prepared from mashed bananas along with sorghum, millet, or maize flour, which is added as a source of yeast. The beverage is known in Kenya as Urwaga. In Dominic, in the Democratic Republic of Congo as Kashi, Ka, Kashi, Kashi, in Uganda as Mumbisi, in Rwanda and Bru, Burundi as Uruwagwa, 
the beverages consumed in sacrament and rituals in the African subcontinent. Uh, I would like to be involved in that ritual because it sounds amazing. <laughs> give me the banana beer. I want it. I wonder if you could order that online. You probably could. Sounds amazing. A group of Buddhist monks in Thailand fed up with the ever-increasing mountain of litter composed of beer cans in their area began an epic game of 100 bottles of beer on the wall. <laughs> so it sounds like yeah. they built a huge facility out of just bottles of beer, which could be that temple that was built out of the Heineken bottles that we mentioned earlier. That's true. Yeah, there it is. They built that temple out of it. The game continued, and now beer bottles, mostly green Heineken and brown Chang, the favorite local beer, form the outer structures of one of the world's most unique temple complexes in Thailand. The construction still continues and now features a crematorium, water towers, sleeping quarters, and even toilets. Nice. Sweet. That's awesome. That's like every drinker's like beer drinker's like heaven. It's yeah. like a, it's like a man cave. It's a man cave. So Guinness beer traces its origin in the brewery of Arthur Guinness, of Arthur Guinness, seventeen twenty five to eighteen o three, at St James Gate Brewery in the capital of Dublin, Ireland. Today, the brand of beer is available in over fifty countries, and more Guinness beer is drunk in Nigeria than Ireland. Okay, we already talked about that, but it's interesting to hear that it came from that long ago. Ooh. That's a pretty old-ass beer. Beer lovers would consider Austria as their mecca, a country which offers beer-centered experience with beer trivia, beer history, and, of course, beer drinking. However, the most astonishing is the planet's only beer swimming pools, seven pools of warm beer, 13 feet deep, and filled with 42,000 pints of beer. No, I'm sorry. Warm beer. That sounds disgusting. Yeah, but I wonder what the what the health benefits are to swimming in beer or soaking in beer. Because well, clearly there has to be some. The pH of beer and the yeast. I don't know. Long before Edward Jenner performed the process of inoculation and Christopher Columbus discovered the New World, Germans were already perfecting the art of making beer. The art has not changed much and the... Particular breweries that began brewing it obtained the brewing rights and license from a neighboring monastery, and it has been brewing beer continuously for the last 1,000 years, regardless of four fires, three plagues, and a major earthquake. So they've been making that beer shit for a long time. So it has outdated Columbus, inoculation, and all kinds of Germans are making that beer. They're like, they're not fucking around. They don't mess around, those Germans. This is the point where we say goodbye, folks. This has been a really super interesting episode. We hope you guys have learned tons of cool facts about beer. We are going to say so long. Farewell. Please rate, review, and subscribe. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us at the BFE podcast at gmail.com. We are going to go ahead and throw that email address up in the show notes, as well as the information from the articles we have used today. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, send them to us. We love it. We love your emails. I promise we're going to start reading them soon. I've gotten a couple. So 
Um, with that being said, please join us again next week when we talk more about weird, wacky, and wild stuff. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe, keep it real, and always live your best life. Bye. Bye. Bye.